Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have Pastor Jody coming to bring God's Word to us this morning. Jody blesses us as a church so much through her ministry in lots of different areas, overseeing bridge care, loving our community, as well as uh, um, uh, through our women's ministry space. She works in lots of leadership development and lots of other areas. And so I would love a church. I know how much she blesses you as a church. Can we really make Jody feel welcome as she comes to share with us? You've got to love it when your brother is in the audience, just giving you a little wahoo. We are all brothers and sisters in the body of Christ here today, and God wants to speak to us. We're already blessed in this service this morning. My heart is so full. We just want God to speak through His Word to us now. Jesus, thank You. Thank You for this beautiful picture that we are a part of this morning, this expression of Your body, Your kingdom here. We're so grateful, God, for who you are. And as we come to your word now, may your word touch our hearts. May you speak, God. May we hear your voice today in Jesus' name. Amen. I love reading. And these days, I actually listen to more books than I read. Has anyone joined the Book Listening Club? out there, it's a blessing. You can get all these jobs done and still enjoy reading while you're doing that. Autobiographies are my favorite stories about real life stories about people's lives and this one popped up into my listening list this week and I was on the edge of my seat as I was listening to this story. These events that unfolded for John O'Leary as a nine-year-old boy He writes this in first person. I watched nurses buzzing around me and I looked down at my body. It doesn't look like me. I looked at my hands, but they don't look like my hands. I look at the remnants of my green tracksuit and tennis shoes. They've become one with my arms and legs. The pain is intense. The fire had changed everything, everything. A nurse says again that it's all gonna be okay. I know she's wrong. I really messed up today. Today I blew up my parents' garage. I didn't mean to. Remember, he's nine years old here. It's just that earlier this week, I watched some older kids in the neighbourhood playing with fire. They dripped a little gasoline on the sidewalk, stood back, and then one of the big kids from the seventh grade threw a match on top. The puddles sparked to life. It was amazing. So this morning, with mum and dad out of the house, I went into the garage. I lit a small piece of cardboard on fire, walked over to the five-gallon barrel of gasoline and tilted it to pour a little gasoline on the piece of cardboard. Just like the older boys, I wanted to see the flame dance, but the big barrel was too heavy to lift. So I set the burning piece of cardboard on the concrete garage floor. I knelt down, bear-hugged the can and carefully tilted it toward the flame. I waited for the liquid to come out, it never did. What I remember next was a big boom. The explosion launched me against the wall on the far side of the garage. I was on fire. On fire is the name of John O'Leary's book. He was in hospital, taken to hospital by ambulance and then finally his mum arrives and he goes on. Finally, mum, she always makes everything better. I know she can fix this. 
I see the curtain surrounding me pulled back. She comes right over to my side, takes my burned hand in hers and gently pats my bald, raw head. Hi, baby, she says, a smile on her face. I look at my mum. Tears that I didn't even realise I was holding back began falling down my cheeks. Mummy, I say, my voice shaking in fear. Am I going to die? I know it's bad. And I so much want her warm encouragement. I want her to brush my fears away. I want to be cuddled and comforted with hope and reassurance. I want her to kiss it all away as only a mum can do. I wait for the promise that she'll take care of everything. She always does. She clasps my hand gently in hers. She looks into my eyes, gathers her thoughts and asks, John, do you want to die? It's your choice, not mine. I can't help but feeling for this mother in this situation. This little nine-year-old boy thought that was a pretty rough deal to hear those words from his mum. But he talks about those words, forcing him to choose life. A will to live that stemmed from that moment, come what may, in the recovery journey ahead. You know, I often visit Romans 12.1 at the start of each year. It's one of my favourite passages and and for me it's like pushing a reset button. These words are probably familiar to you. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. John O'Leary's story gives us a fresh perspective of the visual image of Paul's language here. As we hear about the persecuted church and and the things that believers around the world are enduring, enduring, living sacrifice isn't far from some people's experience. But does he really mean that for us? that we here today are meant to give ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Paul is writing to an audience that is much more familiar with religious concepts of temple worship and sacrifice and priests than we are. But over the last few weeks as I've been sitting here on a Sunday listening to God's Word for us, I just feel like He's challenging us and preparing us to launch into this year ahead. I am usually all optimistic about New Year's, but I have to say that launching into year three of crazy COVID season and all of that means has taken a bit of the shine off for me. It doesn't quite feel like an exciting new year. And I've felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit not to be weighed down or held back by a worldly perspective here, but actually to be faith-filled that God is still in control. He is unfolding His plan in the midst of all of this. And nothing can stop His work going forward. 
We've already seen God's faithfulness in incredible ways beyond what we could imagine over this season. And there is more church that he wants to do. You know, I think that question that John O'Leary's mom came back with struck me. Do I wanna just allow what is happening around me to, to dictate what life looks like? You know, just go on existing in the midst of this. Breathing maybe, but not really living. Or do I wanna step into the challenge of abundant life that God has for us in this season? And I believe he does. Do we wanna grasp hold of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, which is available to us in Jesus? We actually have a choice here. I wanna read Romans 12 verses one and two from a different translation, just so the familiarity of the verses doesn't lull you into thinking you've heard all of this before. Listen with fresh ears to God's word this morning. Beloved friends, Paul writes, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Romans is actually an incredible book that Paul writes to these believers in Rome. We see Paul's gift of teaching in these pages as he unfolds the good news of the gospel so fully expanded in these chapters. And if you have 30 or 40 minutes at some time today, I would just encourage you to go home and read all 16 chapters straight up. You'll be blessed, blessed by this real and practical truth. Paul is writing here to beloved friends, fellow believers, in no way is this a cold-hearted instruction manual. This is a letter from Paul's heart to people that he loves, people that he longs to see come into the fullness of understanding and maturity of their faith, to, to grow in their faith and the expression of it. Over the previous chapters, Paul has described the state of our humanity while we were stuck in sin. The law which was given was, was re revealing to us the perfection of God. It actually made our sin problem worse. It was like shining a torch into the muck of our mess so that we could see how bad things actually are, how far removed we are from God's glory and His righteousness. That's where we were. But God in His compassionate love and mercy reaches out to us in our hopelessness. He sends Jesus as His perfect sacrifice for our sin. Jesus' blood bought our freedom. This is the good news. And we receive this incredible gift of freedom 
simply by faith. Once we've heard the good news, we have a choice to continue on a pathway that leads to death or to choose the life that is possible to us in Jesus, made available to us in Him. He took on our sin and overcame death, was raised to life so that we could have His life, new life, birthed in us to live with with His Holy Spirit dwelling in us The power of sin is broken. Paul explains all of this so incredibly in Romans. He goes on to say the battle with our sin and flesh is still there, but Jesus has given us the victory over it. Jesus has set us free from the old life. The power of sin in our life is broken, amen? There is freedom as we live in God's truth and allow His Spirit to grow in our lives. This is good news about the mercy of God, but it doesn't even stop there. Paul goes on to say we've been called God's children. We have this intimate relationship now with God who is our loving Father. There is a future glory awaiting us that is yet to be revealed, which is beyond anything we could imagine. And nothing, no power on this earth or above the earth or anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that not wonderful news this morning? Paul has all of this on his heart as he comes to to write this chapter 12. This incredible mercy this incredible grace and love that has been poured out all over us. And he says, how can we respond to this? If you haven't experienced a moment where you've received this grace for you today, choose today to receive it. Choose today. Choose life in Jesus today. Place your faith and trust in what His Word says He's done for you and say, yes, I want to live in that. And for those of you who've experienced this truth, let it stir in your heart again. Let it bring a freshness of life to you this morning. It's so incredible. What stirs in your heart as a response to this incredible truth of good news, the marvellous mercy of God that has been shown to you? How how do we respond to such an extravagant and costly gift? We'll never be able to earn it or work for it or deserve it. Paul captures in these verses that our that our natural, the logical, reasonable response to this mercy that God has shown us is to live in worship of Him. A whole body expression, every part of our life, just this worshipful worshipful response to who He is. In the religious practice of the day, sacrifice is the spiritual act of worship. 
And Paul urges us to be living sacrifices in the light of who God is and what He's done and made possible for us. Our response is to give our life to Him. It's not an unreasonable demand. It's not a constraint forced upon us. It's just a response in view of His mercy that we wanna live for Him. This illustration doesn't really come close, but it's kind of relatable for me anyway. Have you ever cooked a beautiful dinner for your family to enjoy? And then you kind of get to the end and ask, would you guys mind cleaning up the kitchen? And they go, oh, do we have to? Um, It's his turn tonight, not my turn. And then they just whinge and complain the whole time that they're cleaning up the kitchen. I'm sure this doesn't happen in your house. Um, But I don't know about you, but there's not much joy at the end of dinner when that is the response that comes at the end. But if you cook a beautiful dinner and then your family say, it would be our pleasure to clean up the kitchen after everything you have done, to make such a special meal for your family. And then they go into the kitchen singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in the joy of the Lord, just laughing and working harmoniously together. Wouldn't your heart be full? Can I hear an amen from anyone this morning? I'm waiting. Paul is talking about a response of God's mercy that comes like that out of this thankful expression of appreciation. It is worship that fills God's heart and delights Him. Our worship is not a one-off event. It didn't just happen when we received this gift. It's not even just a once a week occurrence when we gather together like this. Worship is meant to characterize our whole life. It's expressed in every day. Everything we do is impacted by the mercy of God that's been shown to us. It's not a burden or a demand. It's not an expectation. It's a heart response that says, I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful for the life that God has given us. Going back to our illustration, it it might be like the child that comes to mum or dad and says, I just so appreciate everything you do for me and our family all the time, that it would be my delight to wash up the dishes every single meal. It really is the least I can do because I'm just so thankful. Wouldn't we be blown away by that? This is the kind of response God's looking from us, for from us. And Paul's drawing us into it, urging us to live like this. Paul warns us that the culture around us is an external pressure trying to make us conform to the pattern and the way of worldly values. It's actually trying to wake up that old self that is dead and gone. But as we grow in our worship of God, as we grasp hold more and more of His love for us, as we are shaped no longer by the world, but His Word, it brings transformation from within. 
renewing our mind, shaping our thinking and our actions. Worship is our response to God with the whole of our life, the whole of our body, living in love and devotion to Him. The heading in my Bible for this passage is the transforming power of the gospel. Don't you wanna live in that? This transformation is not behaviour modification. Hear that, church. This word for transformation in the original Greek language is the word that we get our word metamorphosis from. It's a complete renewal taking place in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyone who's already struggling with their New Year's resolutions will be pleased to know this power is way more than willpower that brings transformation. In fact, this transformation is almost the opposite of willpower. It comes in surrender as we let go of ourself and allow the power of God to take our will and align it with His will. This is how we live in the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. The same word for transformation here is also used in Matthew 17 for Jesus' transfiguration. And I thought this was really interesting. This is that passage in Scripture where the disciples see Jesus, a window into His glorified body, His glorified state. Jesus' face is shining like the sun. His clothes are white as light, the Bible says. And if I pause and reflect on that for a moment, this same word for transformation in us, capturing that vision of Jesus' glory, I can't help but thinking that the Holy Spirit is transforming us in this way, that it's God's glory being revealed in us, just like we see captured in this window of glory that Jesus shows of His transfigured state in heaven. The joy and wonder that we feel as we hear stories and witness lives transformed is the power of the gospel. It's the joy and wonder of the fullness of glory that we love, that we long for, that we get to taste and see as it's expressed in the Holy Spirit transforming lives. Our response to God's mercy matters. It makes a difference, not just to our faith personally. It makes a difference to our faith in community. A life of sacrifice, living in devotion to God, it impacts how we live together. The cross is not just restored and redeemed our relationship with our Father. That horizontal beam of the cross speaks to the restoration and redemption for relationships with each other. Don't we need that this morning? Paul starts with what this looks like in the church and knows our biggest battle in relationship is gonna be our pride and that's where he jumps straight in. Verse three, he says, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement, and then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. 
In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. Hear that this morning. God's marvellous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. Activate your gift, sorry, if your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the grace, if you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. After Andrew's illustration last week, I couldn't eat a bunch of grapes without thinking of you all being part of that bunch of grapes. And that is echoed here, isn't it? When Paul says we are all vitally joined to one another, each contributing to each other. This picture of the church as a body speaks as much to the importance of our diversity as it does to our unity. We are all different. We each have a unique part to play and each part is as important as any other. It is easy for us to think that the people who get to use their gifts up the front are the most important, but that could not be further from the truth here. These gifts are given in grace and intended for God's glory to build up the church nor for any person to be elevated or highly esteemed. One of the greatest privileges I have working in this place is to see the gifts of the body in action. It is a beautiful thing. From generous givers to toilet cleaners, from cooks and people who prepare food to trailer drivers, from baristas to children's workers, knitters to intercessory prayers, Gardeners to guitarists, from camera operators to English teachers. And that's just scratching the surface, church. I know you can think of a million more. How diverse is the body of Christ? How beautiful are all these gifts drawn in together? It honestly fills me with so much joy. And, and sometimes it's hard to believe the amount of joy there is as we work alongside one another, serving God together. And I can honestly say the church for me is as real at prayer on Tuesday as it is at bridge care on Thursday or the op shop on Friday or meeting together like this on Sunday. It's all the church. It's all God's body at work. The life of worship we've been called to includes working out our grace gifts and using them to love and serve and encourage others wholeheartedly for God's glory. It's not fake or put on. 
is genuine and sincere and beautiful in all its different expressions. I don't want you to hear this as pressure to do more. It's not that. But there is something about being connected to God's people that is so important as we live a life of worship. We're not to be dismissive of the importance of the body of Christ or the unique contribution God has gifted each of us to make, however small we might feel that is. Just your presence here this morning is a grace gift to me. I have stood on this stage and preached to nobody before. And I know it's hard work to work out your gifts. And I know sometimes it's hard to know how they fit into church community, but we need to humbly and honestly keep working on this together, church, for God's glory. You know, I had a personal experience of the blessing of the gift of prophecy just in the last couple of weeks. On my first Sunday back, as I was kind of launching into the new year, it was after the fourth service of the day, this young adult girl came up to me and said, can I speak to you for a moment? And I said, yeah, sure. And she said, this might sound kind of crazy, but I feel like God's been giving me some visions lately. And, he, and I think he's given me a vision for you. And she shared this vision with me and she prayed for me and I was so deeply touched. It was such a personal encouragement from God. She couldn't have known that. The beautiful picture of God's heart for women in this church I shared the vision with Tamara this week as she started in her role and we were both faith-filled as we seek God's plan for women's ministry in the year ahead. Today as the body of Christ, we're calling Tyrone into this role of pastor, recognising the grace gifts that God has given him. Tyrone, we love your passion for Jesus. We love your heart for the church. And we're faith-filled and excited about, about the blessing of God in this season. Paul goes on to write that our response to God is love. The whole of our life lived in love. I don't need to say much about these verses, but I just want you to, to hear them and let them wash over you today. This is a picture of what a life of worship looks like. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. And never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honour of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward Him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but pray, commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. 
Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. There's not too much more to add there, is there? Our response to the mercy of God poured out on us is to live this life of worshipful response to him. And in the very practical sense, church, this looks like hundreds and thousands of expressions of love from his people every day. That is heart for the church. That's what the picture of what he wants the church to look like. And as we do, the people we do life alongside get to encounter and experience God through our love in action. As we live in this wholehearted response. I love verse 12. We do this together, church. Our hope is increased. Our joy is released. And we persevere in prayer and faith together. May that be the calling on us corporately for this year. And as you face whatever lies ahead, may you know the power of the Holy Spirit Loving you, leading you, filling you with the life available to us in Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we just sit in this moment, We thank you for your mercy for us, God. Thank you for this beautiful word which reminds us of the life that you've made available to every single one of us, God. You're our rescuer and redeemer. And you've given us life. And we need your transformation, God. We need the power of your Holy Spirit to live this life that you call us to. Fill us with your spirit today, God, we pray. Lord, we repent of our pride. We repent of the times where we haven't loved others like you've called us to. We repent, Lord, when our worship is misdirected and and we allow sin in. Oh God, we give it all to you and know your forgiveness and grace today. God, we just want to be that beautiful picture of Jesus, God, to those around us, to those in our community, to those in our world. Show us how to live this life of love in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Jody, for that word. You know, Jesus loves his church so much. He gave his life. For his church, and he loves 
this expression of, of his body here. And as we heard this morning through that passage, the body of Christ, the church, the church is the hope of the world. I believe that with all my heart. This is, we are Jesus' plan A and there is no plan B. We are it. We are his hands and feet, his love. And we want to continue to live loving one another well. We've been hearing this theme coming through these last few Sundays that God's been saying to us as a body that we are to love each other deeply and we are again to press into all that he has for us. So many yet to experience and to know the hope that is found in him. And so we want to function all the gifts working together all the different parts so important, meshing together as one in Jesus, looking at Jesus as the head of his church. That's our prayer. We're going to share more around that next Sunday as well. But as we close and we worship, a great way that us as a body of believers just to express that encouragement, that love, is we're going to have an opportunity just to affirm Ty and Shard in the front. Tamara is going to be down the front here as well. And I thought, what a great opportunity today just to come, just to encourage them, to affirm them as they step out, as they seek to serve the body of Christ here at Bridgman. You might not have even met them before. This is a great chance. You can come, say hi, just let them know, hey, we're so excited that you're stepping in. So why don't we stand together? We're going to sing this great song which talks about God receiving all the glory, all going to Him. Tamara and Tyrone and Shah are going to be down the front here. You feel free to come, just to affirm them, to encourage them this morning. And uh, let's continue just to worship together as His people.
I can't think of a better way to finish this morning than to sing those words. Our prayer is that He would receive all the glory, that we wouldn't put our hands on His work, that He would continue to be lifted high. So let me pray as we conclude our time together. You continue to come down after the service just to encourage these ones as well. But let me pray. Lord, this is our prayer. This is our heart's desire. Help us, Lord that You would receive all the glory, that You would be lifted high, not the name of any person or any church, Lord, but the name of Jesus would be lifted high because You are the hope of the world. And we look to You, Lord Jesus. Thank You for Your mercy, Lord, in view of Your mercy, in view of Your grace, Lord. Our natural response is just to wanna offer ourselves as living sacrifices to You, Lord, to help us to continue to step into that, we pray. And so, Lord, bless, bless all the great and mighty plans you're yet to unfold. And through all these things, we pray that many, many more people will come to know this hope found in you and that you would be glorified above all else. Less of us, more of you, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. You feel free to keep coming forward. Um, Stay around for a tea and coffee in the courtyard as well. And our prayer team be down the front if you'd like prayer. But God bless you. We look forward to sharing with you soon. And Tyrone is going to be sharing, preaching at our 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. service. God bless.